Fixing the pass rush was a major priority for the Seahawks heading into this offseason. They're hoping that Boye Mafe can be the chosen one to get that pass rush on point moving forward. Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking down Mafe's game in our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always for our Wednesday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to continue our post-draft coverage today inside the Seahawks draft one of the two second-round selections, Boye Mafe, and we'll be checking out some undrafted free agents on the defensive side of the ball that have been linked to the Seahawks. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks, the Seahawks, Ginak Deutschland. The Seahawks are going to Germany, Rob, and it's something that's been rumored for a few weeks. I thought that it was pretty telling when John Schneider, in the middle of his press conference a week before the draft, started talking about how they were learning some German while they were going through player film. That would not be happening if they were not scheduled to play in this game, and now they will. November 13th, they'll be heading to Munich to face Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty big tell, and excellent pronunciation, my friend. Uh, I think that it just shows how worldly that that you are, how worldly that John Schneider and Pete Carroll were with that, uh, you know, with them mentioning that as you mentioned in their uh, uh, in their pre-draft press conference. Um, you know, I unfortunately will not be going to Germany uh, to attend that game. I'm, I'm hopeful that that you will, and I'm excited for all the Seahawks fans who are going to be in Germany. We all know how well the Seahawks fans kind of travel. So I'm excited for this incredible opportunity to be going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, what a spectacular opportunity, again, that it is for the Seahawks. And so I certainly wish them very well. Yeah, and you want to know how big the fan base is in Germany for Seattle? Just check out the German Seahawkers Twitter handle, and you can see just how rabid the fans are. And it was crazy. I floated this out there yesterday once the news came out about potentially doing a live Locked On Seahawks, and obviously you would be calling in, and I don't know what time it'll be in Seattle when we work that out with the time change, but we'll figure that out when we get there, but there were several offers from places that were wanting us to do a live show. And this was just minutes after the announcement came out from Mike Dugard, the athletic. And then obviously this morning was confirmed by the NFL. And so uh, I'm just going to say this right now, greatly appreciate the support. And we know that we've got a very large contingency of listeners that regularly listen to the podcast that live in Germany and whether it's people stationed there or natives, whatever. We have tons of German listeners that are diehard Seahawks fans, diehard 12s. And so they're going to get the opportunity now to turn the stadium there into Lumen Field Europe. And it's going to be a great opportunity. And they're going to really need that home field advantage because you don't have Russell Wilson. You don't have Bobby Wagner. The Buccaneers are going to have Tom Brady, barring injury. Tom Brady coming out of his like five-minute retirement to come back to the Buccaneers, and they're going to be loaded once again, one of the contenders in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. So this is going to be a game that the Seahawks are going to be 
a major underdog. And so they're going to need all the support they can get from the crowd, from the German 12s coming out and making some noise. Yeah, and and you know again, kind of going back to that whole German idea. I mean, the the only two words that I know in in German Corbin are Gesundheit and Hefeweizen. And I think that the Seahawks might be sneezing, might be drinking a little bit uh, if they think that they're going to be able to to win this football game, unless the Seattle pass rush is as good as we think that it could be considering all the additions that Seattle has been able to make during the draft and, and during uh, the, the free agency period. So the name Uchenna Nuoso is not exactly German uh, and neither is, is Daryl Taylor and Boye Mafe. But at the same time, I think that those are some of the names that again, are a little bit more worldly out there that are our German friends out there. And certainly everybody who's going to be watching that internationally uh, place game are, are going to be learning because I think that those are going to be the pass rushers who are set to, su- to be superstars for the Seahawks. And I think that kind of a, a storyline that maybe right now people aren't going to be talking about too much. The Seahawks did have him post a message on their social media accounts today via video, but Aaron Doncor is still on the Seahawks roster and they received an exemption for a second straight year. So he actually does not count against their 90 man. He would count against the 53, but if he's on your practice squad and he hasn't had a chance to play in any games yet by that point, I would think that the Seahawks would have Aaron Doncor elevated from the practice squad to dress for this game. What a statement that that would send. And I think that Don Corr has got a chance going into a second season with the team to be able to compete for a spot as a special teamer with some of the losses that they've had at linebacker. You've got players coming back from injury, including John Radigan. There will be an opportunity for him to be able to take a big leap this year and maybe contend for a roster spot. And so I'm hopeful that Aaron Don Corr gets to play in his home country in front of home fans. And you want to talk about an instance where it would be like Richard Sherman walking out the tunnel in Munich if Aaron Doncor is in uniform and gets revealed to the crowd even make him a starter for the game for just a few plays the rock star treatment that he would be getting from the German fans it would be really exciting but this will be the second international game really third if you count that Bills game in Toronto back in 2012 Uh, that was kind of a goofy arrangement that was not considered part of the international series the NFL has been running in London and Mexico City but they played in London in 2018. They spanked the Raiders 27-3 in that game. They'll be hoping to come out 2-0 in these international games when they go to Munich. And I know I can speak for myself and obviously for you as well that this is certainly a historic moment with the Seahawks being in this first regular season game in Germany. And it's just an exciting development when there hasn't been a ton of excitement when it comes to Seahawks football, there's been a lot of depression this offseason. This is some exciting news, though, for fans to get fired up about. It, it is. And, and I'll tell you some reason why I had some excitement. As you just mentioned, his name is Aaron Doncor. I mean, you know, of course, both you and I had the opportunity to go back into the Seahawks facility for the first time in a couple of years in the draft. Um, and I got to kind of pass by a little parking spot that said the name Doncor. And, and it just... To me, he is one of the guys that I am most excited about. I mean, when, when Seattle was awarded him uh, during that international uh, you know, program that the NFL has created for itself, to me, I mean, you know, longtime Locked On Seahawks fans will remember how excited I was about an athlete who is just unbelievable, especially at the linebacker position with, with the different athletic traits that he has already demonstrated. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. If Aaron Darkor is able to – 
elevate his game to the point where he is going to be on Seattle's active roster, then I think that he should be celebrated by all of the fans there. Um, and, uh, you know, again, in, in everything that he has done for, uh, you know, in his development here in Americanized football, I think speaks for itself. So it, it was pretty exciting to kind of walk by all of those names uh, of some of the guys who are right on the edge of Seattle's roster and to see his name there in, in the parking stall to me, that is very exciting. So I am certainly rooting Aaron Donkor on individually. And then obviously the Seahawks uh, just in general against Tampa Bay. I, I think that it's going to be a fascinating demonstration of how Seattle Seahawks have become an internationally known program. And we'll know the rest of Seattle's schedule here coming up on May 12th. We'll have an entire episode dedicated to the schedule reveal here in less than two weeks. But we do know one game that the Seahawks have now. November 13th, mark your calendars. I know I certainly have. And I'm ready to fly out there to Munich and meet many of the 12s that are in Germany, have a live show. We'll see where that's going to be at. But I've certainly got that date circled and cannot wait This episode is brought to you by Blue Nile with Mother's Day coming up right around the corner. Whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift that fits into every budget. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off, $500 spent. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use the code Locked On Again, that's the code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. In part two of our undrafted free agent primer, the Seahawks have been linked to a number of players. There were several players that were reported today to have signed contracts. The Seahawks still have not released an official undrafted rookie list on their site. So till that happens, we're not going to use the word official, but it looks like there are several players that have signed contracts that will be competing in rookie minicamp this next weekend for the Seahawks. We looked at offensive players yesterday, like quarterback Levi Lewis, as well as Shamarius Gilmore on the offensive line. So let's swift uh, or let's shift over to the defensive side of the football now. And many great players have come from the undrafted ranks for the Seahawks on the defensive side of the football over the years. Most recently, we've seen Brian Monet and Puna Ford make their mark in the trenches as defensive tackles. Brock Coyle back in the day was a really good special teams guy, started a handful of games for the Seahawks. Deshaun Shedd was a full-time starter for a year, was a great special teams player before that, now is on their coaching staff. So they have found plenty of gems on defense. And it's interesting, about half the names that have been linked to the Seahawks up to this point with their undrafted defensive players have been safeties, which isn't necessarily a position of need, but they're looking for depth and special teams talent anywhere they can find it. 
Yeah, no question about that. That would be the biggest thing I would say is that the special teams talent. I mean, that's what you're looking for. Guys who are safeties, of course, are are not only have just raw athletic ability, they're also hitters. And that's something that Seattle has prioritized, um, you know, throughout the Pete Carroll uh, era. And, and certainly since Larry Izzo took over as the special teams coordinator, um, you know, that, that is always going to be one of the things that this club is going to focus in on. I, there's a couple of players on this list who I think that immediately kind of jump off. And, and one of them for me would be Bubba Bolden from Miami. Now, he has struggled with durability throughout his entire college career. That That's the biggest reason why a guy who was a former high-profile recruit at USC wound up transferring to Miami, um, why he didn't get drafted. Because, Corbin, when I see this guy on tape, I, I see a, a, a guy who has the physicality that Seattle has prioritized. The, the Seahawks just recently – um, re-signed a former Seahawk and Josh Jones, um, who was a you know an early selection by the Green Bay Packers years ago from North Carolina State, and that is a similar kind of skill set. What I see with Bubba Bolden, he, he's a guy that ran in the four fours, six one, two hundred and twenty pounds, and just hits like a hammer. Um, when you see his highlight reels uh, and, and even some of his just legitimate game tapes at Miami. There are times where this guy is like, okay, clearly that's an NFL guy. And again, it's the durability that, that that you have some concerns about. But at the same time, I think from the special teams perspective, from a depth perspective, Bubba Bolden is an NFL kind of a caliber player. And so I love uh, that selection for Seattle as far as undrafted for ages. I would not have been surprised at all had he been selected. And so of all the defensive players in this undrafted free agent class, at least the unofficial class, as you mentioned before, uh, the unofficial class, to me, he is my favorite of Seattle's undrafted free agents on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm actually going to say he's maybe my number three safety on the list of guys that have been linked to the Seahawks. Now, I have not seen anything about Bubba Bolden signing a contract yet at this point. However, Joey Blunt from Virginia was one of the players today that Aaron Wilson of the Pro Football Network said had signed a contract with the Seahawks, and he was one of the first names that popped up after the conclusion of the seventh round. And this is another guy, maybe didn't have the buzz coming out of high school that Bubba Bolden did. As you mentioned, he was an acclaimed recruit. I don't know that you can say the same about Joey Blunt, but this is another guy that gives you good size around six foot one, not quite as big, 195 pounds, but he can run 44540. And that was really the big concern for him going into the pre-draft process is a lot of people were expecting he was going to run in the high four fives, low four sixes, which is not a great time for a safety. And he ran a four four five. And this is another player that has shown some ability to make plays in the football. He comes up and he'll hit you in the run game, consistency issues. That's been the biggest problem, and I think the athletic metrics on the field didn't necessarily match up what you saw in pro day, but this is another guy that had a pretty darn good college career that could make some sense for Seattle as a reserve safety and a special teams ace, and I want to throw one more name out there. Deontay Williams from Nebraska. This is a kid, you mentioned the durability issue for Bolden. Williams missed a ton of games at Nebraska. I think if he was healthy for the Cornhuskers, he is probably a easy day three selection because I went back and watched a few Nebraska games and I was watching Cam Taylor Britt more than anything. But I kept asking myself, who is that number five there that's just blasting people? And it was Deontay Williams. And the problem is, unfortunately, he only played a handful of games this year, but he was good when he played. 
Coverage issues at times, that would be my biggest beef with him going into the league, but he will come up and hit you. He's got some NFL traits. I could see him being a player that's really valuable on special teams too if he can stay healthy. So there are several safeties there that have some intrigue that are coming from Power 5 schools that could make some noise for the Seahawks when we get to training camp in the preseason. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, Scott Nelson from Wisconsin might be the best of the bunch of them. Um, you know, that, that's the thing is that you're talking about another guy who's 6'2", 203 pounds, um, struggled a little bit with durability, including most significantly uh, missing uh, a great deal of time in 2019 with a torn ACL. Um, you, you watch him on tape, you see an instinctive guy. You, you see a guy who flies around the football, makes reliable open field tackler uh, tackles. Wasn't invited to the combine. People thought, okay, he's just kind of one of those smart, instinctive football players. A lot of the, you know, the stereotypes that people put with a with the white safety, frankly. And then he goes to his pro day and he absolutely lights it up. 4.38 in the 40-yard dash, 39 and a half inch vertical, 3.92 second short shuttle. Anything under four is lightning. 6.62 seconds in the three-cone drill. Also has the bench press reps, 14 reps. That suggests this is a guy who works his tail off in the weight room as well. Uh, again, I think that this is in something interesting. We know that Sean Desai, previously at the Chicago Bears, liked to use a lot of three safety looks. We know the Seahawks have two of the best safeties in all of the NFL, obviously, in Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. But what are they going to do at that other safety spot if they choose to use it to kind of match up against different tight ends, different wide receivers that you see in the NFC West? Considering the durability of some of the durability questions of some of Seattle's other safeties and defensive backs, uh, you know, I, I think that it is very possible that if there is going to be an undrafted free agent from this draft class, and that Corbin, that is going to wind up making this club, then it very possibly could be a safety. And I don't think there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there who are expecting that to be the case. I'm going to go with a linebacker for the player that I think has the best chance to make the Seahawks 53-man roster. And again, we can change our predictions on this because we have not even seen rookie minicamp play out. This is just a prediction based on what we know from watching film on some of these guys and where they fit into the roster. I mentioned Aaron Doncor last quarter because, again, Ben Burkirvan is coming off an ACL tear. John Radigan is coming off an ACL tear. Bobby Wagner is in L.A., there are question marks in the linebacker spot. They didn't draft anybody at inside linebacker and off-ball linebacker. They didn't make any selections there. So I look at a player like V. Jones from North Carolina State, 6'3", 227 pounds. A lot of the images that I saw of him before I went back and watched a few games were him hitting quarterbacks. He's blitzed a lot. He's worked off the edge. I could see him maybe playing some off-ball linebacker, but really what jumps out to me is the special team's value, and this is what gives him a chance to make the team. In 2020, the COVID year, now the ACC was one of the few conferences that had a full schedule, but he blocked three field goals in one year at North Carolina State. So if you can do that in the NFL, if he can emerge as one of those really rare special teams guys that can come in and get his hands on kicks regularly. That is invaluable on special teams. And if he can do that, provide some athleticism as a rotational backup at linebacker, a guy that can play multiple linebacker spots at his size with his athletic traits, 
Not a guy that really jumped off the film necessarily, but he had 45 tackles and six sacks and eight tackles for loss last year. In the ACC, that's pretty good numbers. And the block kicks out of the equation. I think V. Jones is a name. If he signs with the Seahawks, again, there hasn't been any confirmation on that. But if he is there for rookie minicamp and has signed a contract, that is a name that I would keep a very close eye on at that linebacker spot. Well, and I think that a guy that doesn't necessarily stretch a, a huge area of concern for the Seahawks, just considering the fact that they have a pro bowler, all pro uh, at, at punter, but still race Porter from the University of Washington. If we are going to go with guys that kind of outside of the, the normal conversation here with defensive players as they go special teams, uh, just because so many of these guys we've kind of talked about. Race Porter, I thought at times, was the best player on the University of Washington football team, uh, with the exception, of course, being all those defensive players that wound up going early in this draft class. But to me, he's another guy that at least is being reported as being a guy who's got a little bit of a tryout here for the Seahawks. And so, again, if we're going to kind of go a little bit with those diamond in the rough types, Race Porter would be another one I would mention as well. And I want to go with the Tacoma kid from your neck of the woods, One last name that I want to throw out here, just because I'm intrigued by the size and athleticism, and that's Matthew Gotell. And you and I had to do a double take when we looked at the size. Six foot one, 341 pounds. I told you this before the show, and I'm going to say it again. That is a fire hydrant human being. Just short, compact, just a big dude. And he had 30 plus bench press reps. And I think this is what blew me away. 4.75 short shuttle, which for a defensive tackle in general is moving pretty well, but a short, stocky guy like that that's 341 pounds, that is pretty darn good change of direction skill for a guy of that size. So coming from West Florida, he's going back to the Pacific Northwest to be with the Seahawks on a tryout basis per reports. That would be a guy I'm just interested to see this weekend just because I want to see how well he moves in pads at that size. No, I, I absolutely am too. Uh, I think they went to the wrong high school. Frankly, I wish she would have gone about seven <laughs> miles north rather than Lakes High School, Mount Tahoma High School. But at the same time, I certainly am very much rooting for Matthew and, and wish him well. I also very excited uh, to see him and the rest of Seattle's uh, you know, rookie class uh, at this week's rookie minicamp. It should be exciting. Speaking of that rookie class, let's get back to the drafted players, shall we? We're going to continue our Inside the Seahawks draft. We started with Charles Cross yesterday. We're going to go from pass protector to pass rusher with Boye Mafe, who the Seahawks picked at 40th overall in the second round. We'll be breaking down strengths, weaknesses, and where he fits coming to the Seahawks joining their defense. If you're like me, we're now in the month of May. The weather's starting to get nicer. It has been a pretty sloppy start to the month of May here in the Pacific Northwest. But the weather is going to start turning around. A lot of opportunities to go out and run, work out. And if you're like me, you're looking for the best protein bar you can. Built Bar beats them all. It's covered in 100% chocolate, less than 200 calories, less than 5 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs, they're absolutely delicious. It's a protein-infused marshmallow, a ton of delicious flavors. You have churro as well as my favorite, banana cream pie. I'll eat two or three of them in one sitting. There's also amazing regular Built Bar flavors as well. You've got peanut butter brownie, my personal favorite, salted caramel, as well as orange cream. And Built Bar is coming out with brand new flavors every single month. So check out Built.com and see what they're cooking up for the month of May. And if you're like me and you're trying to watch your diet, 
It's a pretty good snack to have. Better than a regular candy bar. A lot less calories, a lot less carbs, and has a lot more protein. Much healthier and tastes delicious. Check out Built.com and use the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's Built.com. Use the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Continuing our Inside the Draft series, we started yesterday the first top 10 pick the Seahawks had had since 2010, Charles Cross, outstanding pass protector. We're going to shift gears now to a top-of-the-line pass rusher the Seahawks selected at pick number 40, Boye Mafe, a player coming out of Minnesota that was a bit of a late bloomer, didn't have very many sacks the first couple years of the Golden Gophers, but the light started to come on during a COVID-shortened 2020 season, had four and a half sacks in just six games. This past year had seven sacks for Minnesota, was an honorable mention All-Big Ten selection. He's been a team captain for a couple of years, so he brings the leadership aspect to the table. And we know, Rob, his biggest calling card is his freakish athleticism at 261 pounds. No, it absolutely is. I mean, that's the thing. Everybody's going to be talking about Tariq Woolen. Um, of course, the quarterback selected in the fifth round that's getting all these kind of Richard Sherman comps and all that kind of stuff. But had, had Seattle not taken arguably the biggest combine freak that there was, and I say that with all respect, um, you know, in the fifth round, then they might have just selected one at number 40 overall um, in, in Boye Mafe because his numbers are through the roof. I mean, this is a guy who came in at 6'4" eighth of an inch uh, or excuse me a quarter of an inch under six four six three six um and, and 261 pounds at the combine and then ran a 4.53 second 40 yard dash and just to put that in perspective that's faster than Devonte adams that that's faster than cooper cup i mean you're talking about defensive end or edge rusher outside linebacker who's faster than wide receivers i mean we're talking about explosive athlete he had a 38 inch vertical jump and that just wasn't good enough he was so competitive that he went to his pro day and wound up having a 41 and a half inch vertical jump the short shuttle times just kind of suggest about how quick that he is 4.46 seconds in, in the short shuttle 21 inch bench reps so again this is a guy that does have the power to be able to play uh, at the point of attack and be aggressive. And I'm kind of burying the lead here. To me, what I like most about him is the fact that he went to the Senior Bowl and was absolutely spectacular there. And we are always looking for prospects who just kind of continue to ascend throughout the Senior Bowl process. And this guy was just voted the defensive national team's defensive player of the week, or, or excuse me, of, of the game. Three tackles for loss, two sacks, a forced fumble in the game itself. He was MVP. I mean, this is exactly what you're looking for as far as a guy who is still on the upswing, an elite athlete who, as you mentioned, is a two-time team captain in terms of athletic ability, in terms of his heart, in terms of his personality. Boye Mafe could be the guy who winds up becoming Seattle's best draft pick of this year's draft class. And considering I think this is one of the best draft classes in all of the NFL, that is saying an awful lot. Yeah, going back to his size and athleticism real quick, just to put this in perspective, I went on Pro Football Reference and was just diving through this 2022 combine. And there were a few other edge rushers that ran in the low 4.5, Sam Williams from Mississippi being one of them. But 
There was not a single player other than Boye Mafe at 260 plus pounds that ran a 4.5340 or faster and also had a 38 inch vertical. And like you said, that was not good enough. He was upset about that. He knew he could jump 40 plus inches vertically. So he went and did it at Minnesota's Pro Day. And that is something that it doesn't matter where you do it. It's different than, you know, when you're timing 40s and whatnot. You jump 41 inches, you jump 41 inches. So he was the only guy at that size that did that. So again, this is one of those one-of-one type situations, at least for this year. There have been a few other guys with those athletic traits in the past, but not many. It's rare to see an athlete of that size that can move and jump the way Boy Mafe does. And I think what impressed me the most, and I could see this in his film the last couple of years, you mentioned ascending. This truly is one of those players, and I get scared sometimes of guys that have breakout performances in the Senior Bowl, but not when it's a player that's been ascending for multiple seasons. And that's what this kid has done. He's gotten better week in, week out for the last two years. Those kind of guys, I get excited about drafting, especially when they have the athletic traits that he does. And the area he's improved the most is his hand technique. And I wasn't at the senior bowl like you were, but I was able to watch a lot of clips from practice. I watched the game. And that was the thing that jumped out to me, the the quick first step and how well he used his hands to get off of blockers. And that was not something early in his college career that he was very good at. He was extremely raw. And I think that he has really become proficient with his hand usage, coupled with his power and athleticism. That's a dangerous combination that could make him a far better pass rusher in the NFL than he was in college. No, I, again, 100% agree with you. I mean, this guy, I think that the upside is through the roof. Um, Seattle took him 40th overall. He ranked on my personal big board, produced a couple of days before the NFL draft, my 39th rated prospect. So certainly the Seahawks and I view him as very similarly. Um, you know, we, we talk about the athletic ability in terms of numbers and, and how they stack up. And there's a lot of our, our listeners, Corbin, that, that don't care about numbers. What does he do on the field? And that, to me, is one of the most exciting things about him. It's kind of like Daryl Taylor. You just see a different level of juice um, you know, w- with this guy, I mean, his initial burst, his ability to be able to kind of change directions and close on quarterbacks is one of the most exciting things about him. So I, I can just kind of gush about the type of upside that Boye Mafe has. I think that he is a beautiful complement to what they already have with another really explosive athlete in Daryl Taylor, a shorter squatter, more powerful guy, uh, again, in, in Chenna Nuoso. Um, um, but at the same time, let's let's try to you know flip over on the other side. Talk about some of the negatives here. There's a reason why, of course, this guy was wound up going in the top of the second round. And, and the biggest reason for me, the biggest reason I believe for NFL teams would be the number thirteen. That's how many games that he started over his college career. He played in forty-two. He started thirteen. He started nine games his senior season for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And this is the Minnesota Golden Gophers, not Ohio State, not Wisconsin, not Alabama, not Georgia. So there is some projection here that we're talking about. He is at this point a little bit of a specialist, but at the same time, he is a specialist in terms of a pass rusher. He is a specialist that, again, is ascending. You just have to have a little bit of faith in the fact that the Seahawks have at least a guy that they believe is certainly one of the better defensive line coaches in all of the NFL. And Clint Hurt, that's the reason why he got promoted defensive coordinator. And so you have to believe that Boye Mafe is just scratching the surface. I know that's a little bit of a cliche, but still is an ascending player 
who has best football is absolutely ahead of him. He was the guy at Minnesota when it came to being a pass rusher. And considering some of the other guys that the Seahawks have, including a healthy Jamal Adams, expected to be able to be a little bit more of a pass rusher this year as well. I really think that we are going to be seeing a significantly improved pass rush. And I think the Boye Mafia is going to be a big part of that immediately. I look at the weaknesses in Mafe's game, and I just think the scheme fit in Seattle is going to help nullify some of those weaknesses because he hasn't played with his hand in the dirt very much, and that didn't seem to matter in Mobile. He was looking plenty comfortable doing that, but he's going to be in a two-point stance standing up, much like he was in Minnesota most of the time in this 3-4 scheme as an overhang linebacker, and he's also comfortable dropping in coverage. I, I watched him against Ohio State, who's got some pretty darn good running backs that are great athletes, and he was running with them stride for stride on wheel routes down the sideline at 260 pounds. Again, he's just a freak athlete, but you can see it translating to his coverage skills. And so he can do all those things that Seattle wants at that position. I worried about him as a 4-3 defensive end in the run game because he can get bullied. He can get knocked off the ball. But out of a two-point stance, playing that 3-4 outside linebacker, I think he can set the edge. I think he's proven he can do that. So I think we're going to see more consistency in his game. And he's going to get better as he gets coached up. And that's the thing that P.J. Fleck and the coaching staff have said. This kid just absorbs things like a sponge. And you could see that the senior bowl, working with the Jets coaching staff, and how quickly he was able to take what he learned and apply it on the field. That was one of the reasons that he was so spectacular. So you know Pete Carroll and Clint Hurt especially. Clint Hurt they showed in the video when they were calling about being picked. It's usually just John Schneider and Pete Carroll. They showed Clint Hurt getting the phone and talking to him because Clint Hurt was fired up about this pick, as he should be. If they're running a 3-4, this was one of the ideal edge guys in this draft, and you got him in the second round. He's going to be 24, but there's still so much upside that is untouched here. There really is. And you said two things there that I think that kind of deserve a little bit of repeating there. The first thing um, is, as again, his his age. Um, that is a little bit of, of a concerning thing at that point is the fact that he is a little bit of an older prospect. But he's he's an older guy in terms of his birth certificate. He's a younger guy in terms of football. Again, I think that this is an ascending prospect. Uh, another thing that you mentioned there that I think Bear is repeating um, is the fact that it was the New York Jets who were coaching him at the Senior Bowl. And of course, the New York Jets are, are led by Robert Sala, former Seattle coach, um, knows that kind of mentality, knows how the, the Seahawks coach and what they are expecting. I think that that is something that, uh, that, that the Seahawks absolutely prioritize there as well. So to me, uh, and then finally, the other thing that you mentioned there that I love is just the, the, the fluidity, the, the ability to be able to drop back and, and play against those wheel routes and things like that that we have seen some of the teams in the NFC West do. You asked that question of Pete Carroll during the post-draft press conference, and you can see Pete Carroll just light up with the athletic ability that Boye Mafe offers them. So to me, that is one of the most exciting things is I think that really Seattle is going to be putting Mafe in a position to succeed. He is not powerful enough to be able to play that traditional 4-3 defensive end position, but that's not what Seattle's going to ask him to do. They're going to ask him to rush the quarterback. They're going to ask him to occasionally recognize that the running back is going out there in the flat. You better turn your hips and go and cover. And this guy has the athletic ability and the know-how. He's already done it to be able to do so. 
So to me, that is some of the things that's most exciting about him. Again, he is an older prospect. He doesn't have the starts that would suggest that he is ready to rock as a rookie. And I yet I think that he actually has the athletic ability and the heart to be able to actually be able to kind of surprise people a little bit and be very successful right out of the box. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch what he does in rookie minicamp and then throughout the offseason program because this is a guy that was number 23 on my big board. I had him significantly higher. And you know what? I, I do my big board based on the Seahawks because I cover the Seahawks. And to me, he was a top 25 prospect because of what we expect the scheme is going to look like. If Seattle was running more 4-3, I probably would have had him in the 40s or 50s. But I just think his skill set, his biggest strengths, the athleticism, his coverage skills, this is a great scheme for him playing in those overhang looks as a hybrid linebacker. And he's got a perfect coach to coach him as well. Clint Hurt, like I said, you could you could just tell how fired up he was about the opportunity for him and his staff to work with this kid in a defense that's going to be really letting him pin his ears back, get after the quarterback. So it's going to be an exciting process to see how Boy Mafe pans out in Seattle. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out the Locked On Seahawks podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week streaming on YouTube. And make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast. The schedule may be dark this time of year, but the NFL never stops and neither does Locked On NFL. Get insights and opinions from hosts, including Ross Jackson, Chris Carter, and Tony Wiggins, plus local Locked On NFL hosts recapping all 32 squads. There's no offseason for real fans, so make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On NFL podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on our Thursday show, I'm going to be riding solo, continuing our Inside the Seahawks series. By myself, it's fitting. I'm going to be talking about a running back, Kenneth Walker. Looking forward to breaking down his strengths and weaknesses as he joins Seattle's loaded backfield. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.